0: Does that story of what happened at Emmaus sound familiar? Sound like something that we know very regularly and commonly in our lives? If it didn't strike you right away, let's look at it again and summarize it and see if maybe it does come to mind. Two disciples are walking along talking about Jesus. Jesus joins them. The scriptures are explained to them. They sit down at a meal. Jesus breaks bread and gives it to them, they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread, he vanishes, the meal is over very quickly, and then they go out to Jerusalem and tell the apostles the good news that they have seen Jesus risen from the dead. Does that make it any easier? It's a model of the mass. It's what we do Sunday after Sunday. What the Lord did with those disciples on the road to Emmaus was a reminder to us of the way we will come to know him throughout our lives by celebrating the Eucharist, coming together and knowing him in the breaking of the bread. Look at what happens when we come to mass. Two people come together. We actually say the mass begins whenever two people are already here in church preparing themselves spiritually for the mass. And we begin, the scriptures are broken open for us. We sit down to the meal. We come to know the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. The mass ends very quickly after that, but then we're told to go out and share that good news with all the world. And so we noticed last week that one of the first gifts Jesus gave or the first gift he gave to the apostles at his resurrection, the very night of the resurrection was the sacrament of reconciliation, the forgiveness of our sins. And today, we hear about the gift of the Mass and the Eucharist. And it's all done on the same day. This is that very same day, the day Jesus rose from the dead. He appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, later to the apostles in the evening. And so he's reminding us that now that he has risen from the dead in our baptism, we inherit that resurrection, we put on Christ. In uh, the sacrament of reconciliation our sins are forgiven us and in the Eucharist we are further strengthened and restored and made one with him and so that's why we come Sunday after Sunday to mass and where some people who have misunderstood and say that well why do we as you know, Catholic Christians and most Christians celebrate mass and worship on Sunday Sunday is not the seventh day of the week Saturday is the seventh day of the week And they've missed the point that yes with Christ all things are new it's a new dispensation we're no longer celebrating the day God rested from his labor but the day God rose from the dead the eighth day the day in which God made all things new and as he rose from the dead on the first day of the week we come together on the first day of the week on Sunday and participate in that wonderful gift that the Lord has given us, of worshiping him at Mass, and most importantly, receiving his body and blood in Holy Communion. And of course, it has been our clear and consistent belief that what we believe at Mass, what Jesus did at the Last Supper, and over and over again we hear in the Scriptures of St. Paul and the others reminding us that when we come together, what we're receiving is truly the body and blood of Jesus, is necessary, because it is the means by which we are united with Christ. Sadly, there are many denominations of Christianity at the time of the Reformation who rejected that belief in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And sadly, even some Catholics, some who maybe not formally by saying in their minds, well, no, I'm rejecting this belief, but somehow have lost track of it and maybe have just somehow picked up an idea that what we're receiving here is just a piece of bread that brings us together and reminds us of what Jesus did the night before he died. And if that is the case, while there are others who have formally rejected it, if that's what's happened, well, is it any wonder then why 75% of Catholics don't go to church anymore? Because they've lost sight of the fact that what we're receiving here is truly Jesus's body and blood as our food. If it's just a piece of bread, then when people say, you know, I don't have to go to church to pray, I can pray at home. Well, they're absolutely right. We don't have to go to church to pray. We can pray in our rooms. But we can't receive the Eucharist in our rooms. We need to come here to receive it. But if it's just a piece of bread, well, people could then say, well, I can eat a piece of bread at home and pray and have the same thing that's happening here. And they're absolutely right. But if the Eucharist truly is Jesus' body and blood, then we need to come here only at mass can we receive his body and blood as our food. And the church is in the midst now of our Eucharistic revival here in the United States, trying to remind people of the real gift of Jesus in the Eucharist, that what we receive here is truly his body and blood in the form of bread and wine, but that a miracle takes place at every Mass that through the ministry of the priest, Jesus changes bread and wine into his body and blood, but leaves it in the form of bread and wine so that we can physically eat it. Because if he changed even the appearance into human flesh, who would be able to consume it? So he leaves it in the form of bread and wine, but it is truly his body and blood so that he can enter us and unite us with him. And I can certainly understand why some people would have a hard time believing that the Eucharist truly is Jesus' body and blood, and that a miracle takes place at Mass. And they might say, oh, well, who is the priest to do that, or anything like that? I can understand people having difficulty. In fact, I discovered the reason rather poignantly when I was first ordained. Of course, I grew up you know, being told you know, that through the hands of the priest, of course, the Eucharist becomes the body and blood of Jesus, and I never questioned it. But then when I was ordained, the very day of ordination is actually your first mass. The ordination takes place right after the homily, and then after the ordination is finished and the men are now priests, then they're invited to join into the celebration of the Eucharist. And I remember very distinctly that at the end of the Holy Holy, when normally beforehand we'd all be kneeling, now here we are, the 18 of us that were ordained, standing behind Cardinal O'Connor, and instead of kneeling, we're allowed to stand. And at the words, when he says the words of, well, we, um, of consecration, let your Holy Spirit, at the Epiclesis, let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts. And we're extending our hands. I'm looking around like, we're really allowed to do this now? And I say, well, yeah, because just 10 minutes ago, we became priests. And then as the Cardinal said, the words of consecration, and we're holding out our hands again and saying the words of the consecration, feeling a little strange because we're saying, I've never done this before. You know, Is this real now? And I remember in my mind saying, well, gee, now I'm allowed to stand here and say these words and do the motions that the priest does. But there was the cardinal there, and I said, well, but I'm not really doing it. It's Cardinal O'Connor and the 80 priests who were behind us who had come for the ordination, so they're really the ones who are doing it. The next day you celebrate your first mass in your home parish and I went back to my home parish and this was the first time now I was the principal celebrant. So I was the one standing at the altar actually saying the words aloud with the host in my hand but I did have eight other priests who were there who had come to celebrate with me. So as I'm saying the words and holding it up I'm kind of like half looking over my shoulder and saying well but it's really those guys who are doing it, I'm not really the one consecrating this. But then during the week, I was invited to celebrate Mass at a school where I had taught uh, the school children as part of one of my apostolic ministries when I was in the seminary. And I came during the school day, and that time I was the only priest there. And when I got to the consecration and said the words and held up the host, I'm like kind of looking over my shoulder and realizing there's nobody else there. And I feel like I held that host up for about a half hour and looked at it and said, that's now the body of Christ because I said so? How is that possible? And I realized at that point why some people could have a problem with it and say, oh, how could that be? And that could have been a moment for me to say, no, that's insane. That can't be because who am I to do this? But thankfully, I kind of gulped at that point and said, wow, this is now Jesus's body and blood because I said so? What was this gift Jesus gave to me a couple of days ago? Kind of made me realize for the first time the gift of being ordained to the priesthood. So understanding that after that I had a greater appreciation of people who have a hard time believing that the Lord would work a miracle through a priest, sinful though all of us are, at Mass. But if I have an opportunity to sit down with people who, because they have that... A difficulty with that deny the real presence I would like to say to them well okay I can understand why it's hard to understand that what we receive is truly Jesus's body and blood but why is it better to believe it's just a piece of bread and not actually his body and blood if the Catholic teaching is true as we believe it is well is that not better than just having a piece of bread? Those who deny the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist will say, and who do still celebrate a Eucharistic ritual, some of our Protestant brothers and sisters will, others have dismissed even the the Eucharistic sharing, but when they deny it, if you ask them, what are we doing? They say, well, we're coming together to share bread as a community remembering that Jesus had a meal the night before he died. Okay, well, that's a nice thing to say that we're doing that, but If the Catholic belief is true, then we are coming here to receive Jesus' body and blood, God himself, body, soul, and divinity. Under the form of bread and wine, he enters us, and God now enters into us and draws us into him. We say we become the food we eat. That as receiving the body and blood of Jesus, we are now made part of Jesus. We are brought into union with him. We become part of his body and we are actually with him at every moment of his existence. From everything he did and most especially dying on the cross with him for the forgiveness of our sins as he died there we're with him in a painless manner and most importantly risen from the dead in him given us the promise of the resurrection on the last day and then with a perfect soul and a perfect body that we will live with him and actually reign with him on his throne being adored and worshipped by all the choirs of angels in heaven. Living in absolute total Complete unity with God that in the Eucharist he is actually absorbing us into himself so that he can share with us and invite us into a sacred intimacy with him to a union of love that we can't have with any other person in the world something so unique that we're united with all goodness all wisdom all beauty all truth of God himself that we're becoming indeed part of God for all of our eternity, that we can know his loving embrace and that we can have the perfection that he has given us and that he tells us in the meantime by following what he teaches us, he's allowing, uh, we're allowing him to work through us and draw us into him so that therefore his teachings are not just subjecting us to his, power, his authority but rather sharing in his power. Let's look at that again. The Lord is saying to us, when you obey what I tell you, I'm not just subjecting you to my authority, but I'm letting you share in my power. I'm calling you to share with everything I can do. And did Jesus not tell that to the apostles, that you will work great miracles in my name? And indeed they did. We hear that over and over again in the Acts of the Apostles. The miracles and signs that the apostles performed because they allowed Jesus to work through him. And you and I can do the same, and the church has been doing that for 2,000 years through Christians who have allowed the Lord to work through them, who have said, Lord, teach me your way and help me do it. And by following the teachings of the Lord, we're sharing in his power and transforming the world around us. So. We have a piece of bread that reminds us that Jesus had a dinner with his apostles 2,000 years ago. Or we have something that draws us into total and complete union with him that saves our souls, that brings us into one with God himself and go, and go out to allow the Lord to continue to sanctify the world through each and every one of us. Which of those has more value for our lives? it's a no-brainer of course the eucharist as the lord's true presence in our lives and that's why i've always been convinced i've been saying for years and now i'm happy that the eucharistic revival is trying to do this that we've looked for 50 years now wondering why people don't go to church anymore and we've responded to the excuses or the reasons they gave us as to why they don't go to church and we've tried every gimmick every new thing and some of them have been helpful some of them work maybe for a time but We've tried so many different things, and they haven't worked. And I've always said the way to get people back into church is not merely attracting them with special liturgies and other things as good as they can be, not to say that we don't do that, but that people will come to Mass. The only thing that's going to bring people To come to Mass, especially now when stores are open and the rest of the Lord's Day, observing his day of rest, is basically abandoned in our society. That for the world to break all of that and instead take time out to worship God will only happen when people realize why we need to be here. And it's more than just praying because we can pray at home but it's to receive the Eucharist to unite us with Christ to have our sins forgiven and then the challenge to go out and be Christ's presence in the world and I have always said that if people truly understood what is happening at Mass, they would be breaking down the doors of the church to get in. We would not be able to keep them away because they would let nothing stop them from coming in and being united with Christ, being called to sanctity, being called to one with him, and then bringing that to other people. And if that happened, I think the church would immediately cease speaking about our Sunday Mass obligation and start talking about our Sunday Mass privilege. My friends, indeed, what a privilege it is for us to be able to be here Sunday after Sunday, to be united with Christ in his death on the cross, not with nails in our hands, but with his body and blood in our hands, so that he did the punishment and the pain for us and now draws us to be one with him by giving us the Eucharist so that we're with him on the cross in his suffering, in his death in his resurrection and with him throughout our life and through all of eternity called to all of the glory that he now has in heaven that will be ours as well. My friends, do we truly embrace that? Do you ask yourself in your heart, do you truly understand and believe that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist or do you think this is just a piece of bread that reminds us of the last supper? As a piece of bread, it has really no power for us at all. It's just a memorabilia. But as his body and blood, it is our salvation, our call to holiness, our call to union with God. And that is why so many great saints over the centuries have talked about the importance of Mass and the reception worthily of Holy Communion Sunday after Sunday. Because this is what our lives are about. This is what our relationship with God is about. Receiving him in his body and blood as our food. May we never take that gift for granted, but always embrace the gift that Jesus has given us of his body and blood as our food. Ave verum corpus natum ex Maria Vergine. Hail, true body of Christ, born for us of the Virgin Mary. Be for us a foretaste of the Paschal Feast of Heaven. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and and forever. forever.